0: This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Aaron Fitzgerald, CEO of the U.S. Farmers and Ranchers Alliance. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Syngenta. Syngenta Products and Services, helping farmers increase their return on investment. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with U.S. FRA's Aaron Fitzgerald, next. Commodity prices remain under pressure. That's why now, more than ever, Farmers are focused on their return on investment. More and more, farmers depend on Syngenta products and services designed to increase their ROI. See the Syngenta seed innovations made for better ROI. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Shortly after assuming the reins of USFRA, Aaron Fitzgerald attended a global food forum and was shocked at how many food company CEOs We're quoting the wrong facts on the environmental impact of the agriculture food system. Fitzgerald says the best way to reach consumers is through consumers. And that means the food industry and farmers coming together with a unified voice.
1: Often our checkoffs and many of us look at that elusive lifestyle, health, and sustainability consumer. And you know, that consumer has gone from 18% to about 86% who will factor in those aspects into their purchasing decisions. Now, that has grown by leaps and bounds. But you have to ask yourself, if, if, from a communication perspective, that consumer is a very difficult, liftable consumer. If we're a small little startup, there's, we, we kind of think there's no way we can really kind of go after that consumer. But. If we can think about the consumer target as the business community, the people who actually have an affinity to learn and be the best advocate for food and agriculture, it's all of our employees. And that already is one out of ten working Americans. So it's a huge market. And it allows us to be highly effective in saying, you know what? We are going to work with and through the brands, with and through every employee. They know. They own it, work it, love it. I say do the owl. They own it, work it, and love it. And they know what these facts mean so that we can all be better to talk to our neighbors.
0: But if you've listened to the stories that are being told about agriculture, and let's just take the Green New Deal for an example. Everyone concerned about environment. Everyone wants better. But very quickly to form an enemy, in this case a cow and of agriculture. So what's the story to go against those challenges that come to help to tell the accurate story of the industry?
1: Well, as you know, I'm from, came from the dairy industry, so this conversation about the cow versus the car for quite some time is has been going on. I am so not surprised that a new emerging politician would look at the consumer data of her constituents and say, the number one thing that my consumers care about is food. The second thing they care about is the environment. So she entered the space in that conversation to create an empathetic shared pathway with her consumers. However, she's she might be missing some of the amazing facts related to her state, related to agriculture, and some of the facts related to cows and the environment. For example, you would say if your consumers truly cared about environmental impact and making a difference with their environmental footprint and then their food print. Your food print is everything when you walk in that grocery or or restaurant and say, well, how are my environmental choices impacting food? The, the primary is making sure that food has its highest purpose to nourish people. So that would be sometimes people over consume as we all do at times and that's 10% of your footprint because we're in American culture. That has been a general problem. And then 34% is related to food waste. So already 44% is related to this American over-consumptive, sometimes a throwaway culture, which is a lifestyle problem in general, beyond just the food sector, but all sectors in general. And then 64% then is how we grow our food. Then we have to ask ourselves, well, what is, what is our responsibility as we grow our food in the future? We have to help our farmers do that. The best way as a consumer I can partner with a farmer is I'll I'll eat right, diverse, nutritious food. I won't take too much. I won't waste it. I will really volunteer in my neighborhood because one in six Americans are food insecure, and I will make certain that that food is treated as a natural resource, not wasted, thrown back to the land because I know my farmers can upcycle it to good nitrogen, phosphorus, compost, amazing things. I'll contribute in that food cycle. But it's not about this diet or cow or bursal that I myself as a consumer can contribute in that food system. And we have not done a good job of clarifying to consumers and the politicians the best way to talk about this stuff, to create a call to action as a partnership with farmers. We tend to say, your facts are wrong. Then, you know, it's like, well, let me, let me help you reframe it. Let me help you think about it because I know where you're intended to go.
0: What stories need to
1: be told? We often think that agriculture carbon is a problem. Um, Agriculture water is a problem. Agriculture soil is a problem. And we often fail to to recognize the ecosystem services that, you know, agriculture plays in stewarding green space, water. Yes, we are doing some losses. No doubt about it. Biological complexity of this is enormous. But we need your help. We can be also an incredible filter solution of, of both carbon and water stewardship maybe we're trying to say maybe take instead of a deficit-based mindset what everything that assume that the food system agriculture system is broken look at it as actually agriculture is a soil bank it is a carbon bank it is acting as a green space it's acting as a filter it's acting as a flyway provisioning Um, just look at what is working and then how would you enhance what's working so
0: as we look at the debate over climate change does agriculture have a seat at the table and are we a part of the problem or part of the solution
1: oh my gosh i think that we are the solution to climate change we have not had the conversation that um, we actually can offset carbon from the fossil fuel sector and we are cycling carbon we are biogenic carbon, very, very different from fossil fuel-based carbon. Agriculture's role, actually, if you if imagine the future, and that's one of the pieces we're working on with research, is to really figure out how we're not only playing right now a role, just like the oceans, that we can cycle all this stuff and provide all these provisions, but in the future, if you really believe in climate adaptation, the power of our soils and the power of our farmers, I think we're the solution.
0: So thinking then about some of the debates that are taking place, we're bringing in plant-based proteins that some say fall into the category of fake meats and those that are talking about developing meats from cellular culture that agriculture wants to say that's a that's a fake product. We're having debate over what should be considered milk or what's a dairy product or not. The consumer is bombarded with all types of these very complex situations and some want to blame agriculture in saying that their way is a solution.
1: Well, the, the issue with cell-based meat, and particularly these dairy alternatives, in, in my mind, um, particularly with cell-based, you are assuming that you can grow in a Petri dish the same biological proteins and all the other co-products, which we don't even really know. all know what's in our, in our foods, really. It's a, you know, we think we know, we know some macronutrients, but we don't know everything. And then, you know, you have to ask yourself, um, so you are going to substitute the Petri dish and factory-based environmental growth. We'll take energy intensive in that aspect. What are you going to do now with these rangelands? Because those are cycling and storing carbon. And the way that you're comparing, you're making these claims based on carbon, you're basing it on a one-for-one exchange. It does not factor in total nutrient density per carbon emissions. And it doesn't factor in the co-products associated with a cow. So what do I mean by that? Lipsticks, hair products, leather goods, all of the food and fibers that are coming from these animals, plus manure, all factor into that environmental impact. So you literally have to petri-weigh your dish through all of those different co-products to have an effective comparison in the way they're looking at it. The second biggest thing, though, that is underestimated in those calculations is the social impact. Oftentimes livestock, in particular cattle farming, in the United States is an economic multiplier and a resilient agriculture where you cannot grow high-quality nutrition in rangelands. This is the productive use of the agriculture. And also you see that all over the world where, in particular for women, this is their way to have access to agriculture, 365 days of nutrition, and the access to banking and livestock. So it really becomes a question if you're going to export a cell-based product that was really effectively becoming the new CPG of this world versus enabling a livestock culture that is stewarding and culturally creating economic vibrancy, plus creating biologically based nutrition and products.
0: We have a presidential candidate who is a member of the Senate who says the agriculture that we have today is inadequate to be able to meet the needs of a growing planet. We have some of the same companies and industries that are investing in these alternative proteins that are suggesting the agriculture that we have today is not sustainable and can't sufficiently meet the needs of a growing planet. Does USFRA uh, attack that message or do you offer a different version to what these are saying and accusations?
1: so it's like to me when you ask the question you're assuming that the system is broken versus the system can be enhanced from that assumption are you assuming it based on the ability of maintaining and cycling land so for example Every agricultural piece of land that is currently in use must get to its highest form of production. There is not an environmental NGO that would not say that. What happens is if that land gets encroached upon, you're now moving into zones that might be better for biologically and biodiversity source zones, such as the rainforest or other areas of the United States. We have to make certain that agriculture stays in high productive use, And we have to make certain that we are educating that agriculture not only needs to provide a yield function, but it is also providing incredible ecosystem services that offer a benefit to even urban economies. Often, you know, if you look in New York, so if you look at how the watershed is going, upstate New York is the water filter for New York City. So we have to start having these conversations of how we can Provide these ecosystem services, it's not an us versus them. It's like, we're actually provisioning these things for you. Um, and, and really be able to quantify it in a better way of what is there and what might be.
0: Even in the very inception, USFRA was successful in bringing consumers and and food leaders to the table and not accusing, but having a dialogue and, and starting to understand, as you suggested from the beginning, each other's position in this food race.
1: Yeah, I think often this stuff comes from, it's just complicated. It's incredibly complex, and so we have to make certain two things when it comes to this topic. In agriculture, we're going to expect an incredible amount of change. So that means that the way we talk, the way we work together, we have to be prepared for change quickly. The second thing is we have to encourage that lifelong learning on these topics and communication and empathy related to how we we talk about this. Because quite often when you start... Talking about it, you're like, okay, that kind of makes sense. You know, of course, our, our our soils are a lot like our oceans, and that they're cycling all these things. You know, it's just kind of the, the da factor goes on. But we haven't really had that kind of let's get back to basics conversation. Ask me all your questions. It's okay, like, and you know, you see that when someone comes on a farm, uh, every one of our farmers always say, like, ask all the questions, and then you're in a, a more comfortable environment. But we need to keep that spirit, especially now in social media.
0: Have you found times? Have you found instances when you? brought the consumer that was skeptical and the farmer uh, together that they were able to walk away with a better understanding?
1: I think we see it all the time. You know, in my whole career, every time I've brought a thought leader to, to, on these topics, you know, it's like, it's, it's also, what's your intent? is to come from a place of positive intent, like, yep, it's okay. You, you can ask those questions. I'm happy to be a broker of that information for you. Ask away. And we might not have all the answers today, but you are going to teach me what I don't know, And I'm pretty certain that can feed back into the research community and others to go get that information because a lot of these answers, we have to be clear a lot of the things that people are saying, we actually don't know. you know. <laughs> and so it's like it becomes a researchable proposition.
0: It doesn't look as though the pattern of the consumer is going to align any closer with agriculture. And I say that because the grocery store used to be the place that we meet. But now with the influx of meals delivered at home, mm-hmm. and not only stores that shop in advance for you that you pick up at the door, but foods that are delivered at your door, the consumer attitude is changing, the consumer patterns are changing, and it's moving them even farther from the farm than they had been before.
1: Well, actually, I think the fresh, the, you see the trends on fresh, I think that does give you an opportunity, they, they do ask, start asking these questions of where their food comes from. You know, um, I, I, I always tease the brands, um, short of putting a, a fireman or a wounded veteran on a package, the farmer's the next best thing. And so how can we, in that, and because the Consumer Insights are telling you that, then how can we use that as an opportunity to tell our story? You know, a brand is essentially a love mark to the consumer. They are the symbol of trust. They are the best storytellers. Let us help you tell that story. We'll work with and through you to give you these stories, to tell you this information. And you you be a brand. You do what you do best and help us tell be better storytellers.
0: So just a few days ago, during the Commodity Classic that was in Florida, uh, U.S. Farmers and Ranchers Alliance, sourcing some information from your own. This is new.
1: Yeah, so we um, just hired uh, Nick Gazer. We're really excited from the Soil Health Partnership, and he's going to be leading our science advisory team. So the intent here is to make certain, again, like I mentioned at Wall Street Global Food Forum, everyone was quoting all these wrong numbers. Can we really work with the best scientists in the country and the world to really help us reframe um, the much-needed information on what's agriculture's role in climate change and ecosystem services, what are all the provisioning aspects that we do in science, and what do, what don't we know? Um, and so really excited to announce Nick and also the, his amazing science uh, advisory team. We're expecting great things. Again, it's moving to that sound science to sound making to sound bite Mm -hmm.
0: so from nick and the science advisory council how will they work with the board and with you as you look at frontiers ahead
1: yeah it's kind of like intel inside so it's like they're powered by the best science we want to make sure that we have the right information and this space is emerging so fast that we need to be able to have the science advisory team keep us up to date and current on how we can communicate better and also engage stakeholders in, in some of these topics.
0: So then help me with the Science to Sense marketing program.
1: Yes, yeah, so it's really about building training. So just a couple of weeks ago we had Culver's, we put some VR goggles for all their employees on their head and they got to experience a virtual um, pig farm. And then we were able to provide a lot of content about what they were working on. Um, They could ask questions, and we had one of our beef farmers from, that's one of our sustainability volunteers, call in from New Mexico and beam in to all their employees. Well, what we found is, like, it was great. They do have questions. They are really interested. And it not only is it a way to engage on the information, but, like, if you're in the food business, this is like an employee engagement program. Like, they really care about this. And, like, as I mentioned before, they want to tell the story. So you'll see it start emerging in terms of training, uh, information and then also in our thought leadership sh- events and points of view. Is that we'll so,
0: start. you'll take this as a, as a, a program and you'll expand it to Absolutely. new opportunities?
1: Absolutely. We, we see, um, we, we, we've heard people are like, wow, if you can give me training for policymakers, say, hey, come in and brief my staff. Or we've heard um, CPGs and teachers, and you know, I can see this actually emerging even further, but we want to get the basics all in one place.
0: So, honor the harvest forum. Let's yeah. talk about that.
1: We've talked a lot about what we're doing just to kind of keep up with all the requests so for information, understanding, connecting with a farmer. But one thing I've noticed um, as it relates to agriculture is that we don't really have a forum to lead, to have various uh, dialogue on where are we really going in the next 10 years. And often in agriculture, when I look at um, the the foundation of our institution was to bring all the ag leaders together, the CEOs and the chairman, we're going back to that roots. But it's not enough to lead as just an agriculture sector, as an industry. We are a food and agriculture sector, and we have to work with and through the food leaders, the food makers. And so, um, Honor the Harvest is the inaugural event to bring 70 CEOs between agriculture and food to sit down, craft a vision of our shared future in the next 10 years, and come out with some roadmap. It's kind of like our ultimate dialogue, if you will, kind of going back to our original founding and say, you know what, we have way more in common. Let's start talking about our shared future. There's these big things called the Sustainable Development Goals What's our response to that as U.S. agriculture? We can meet this decade challenge. Let's do this. So when does that forum take place? June 5th and 6th. And you'll love this because, um, you know, I mentioned 70 degrees and fluorescent, you know, where all these big thinkers always usually engage in conference rooms. We said this has got to be grounded in reality. So it's on Chip Bowling's farm in Newburgh, Maryland. Um, So it'll kind of immediately ground these CEOs in the reality of what we're talking about. So
0: is the U.S. FRA reinventing itself? Or are you just changing the tactics about accomplishing the mission?
1: We're going back to our roots on this dialogue and convening. We, um, everyone, I call it the hive. We are the hive for food and agriculture. So if we are creating uh, uh, symbols from nature, the most common symbol in nature is a hexagon. That is because it's the strongest structure you see in hydrocarbons and all sorts of stuff, most commonly the beehive. Well, everyone can have their own little structure, their own little cell, but we will have shared walls. We will have shared synergies, and we will work together in a unified fashion to be more productive for agriculture. It is time we work together. We have big things we need to do, and we are getting back to our original vision and mission.
0: So... Should we propose a name change from the U.S. Farm and Ranch Alliance to the U.S. Food Farm and Ranch Alliance?
1: It's really funny. Um, uh, We did a lot of interviews when I first came on board, and I think um, it's been so interesting to listen to the feedback. I have heard quite often that our words, our name, you know, it sounds like a trade group itself, you know. So I I have heard this. It's not the first time I said, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see how we emerge on this. But I, I am definitely taking that feedback seriously.
0: How do you measure what has been done? And with what will be done. And can you give examples of success where you say that because we were there, things are different?
1: You know, I think a lot of people use, there was a couple of dialogues where we did where uh, Mark Bittman was on stage and literally left the stage and came back with a t shirt saying, I love farmers. You know, it's hard to measure the people change. But everything we're going to be focused on is about people,
0: Erin. We want to thank you a lot. A very very busy season and no shortage of things to do on behalf of USFRA. We congratulate you on your new position and wish you much success along with the board in the days to come. But this is open mic, and open mic, you have the last word.
1: Well, thank you so much. You know, like I said, we're learning very quickly. We're changing and adapting. Um, We welcome all volunteers, all members. We're creating that hive for food and agriculture and um, we are stronger together, with shared walls, shared synergy. We can begin to build that bridge with those food maker c- consumers. So appreciate you just being the storyteller and letting us, let us have this time in the Open Mic.
0: Our thanks to Aaron Fitzgerald, CEO of the U.S. Farmers and Ranchers Alliance, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Syngenta, Syngenta Products and Services, helping farmers increase their return on investment. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.